Good evening and welcome. Our first song tonight, 738, 738. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord of Lords, who is the Great I Am. Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before His throne. We will worship Him. We will worship him alone. He is Lord of heaven, Lord of earth. He is Lord of all who live. He is Lord of all thy universe. All praise to him we give. Sing hallelujah to the King of kings. Good evening, church family. I'm laughing because there's a step stool. I was thinking Jerry put this up here. <laughs> oh, you knew you were doing a Devo, Rick? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, a couple announcements before we get started. Um, as a reminder that uh, there's a deacons meeting next Sunday at 530 I mean, sorry, at 5 o'clock, and there's a middle school and high school devotional at our house after Sunday services uh, that evening as well. Um, Ladies of Joy will be having a painting party uh, on the 17th, which is Tuesday, at 6.30. Please uh, bring finger foods and drinks to that event. Um, also, Young at Heart is on the 17th, that Tuesday as well. We'll be heading to Chanette's Country Cafe in Milton. And that is at 1030. <clears throat> Remember, continue to keep Abby Ward in your prayers. Uh, she's, she had knee surgery this week, so keep her in your prayers. Also, Mary, continue to keep Emily Bowen in your prayers as she recovers from shoulder surgery. Um, remember to pray for Amber Spitzer and Terry Leap and Jimmy Wilgus as they deal with cancer at this time. Um, also... Terry Agner passed away Tuesday morning, um, and uh, the visitation will be at Hall's Funeral Home on this Friday from 6 to 8, and then the funeral will be Saturday at 11 o'clock, um, so keep the Agners uh, in your prayers at this time. Um, also, I, got, I have another one, face recognition. Okay. Um, Let's see, prayers have been requested for Peggy and Steve and Travis Rowe and Travis's three young sons. The boy's mother passed away unexpectedly a few days ago, so keep the Rose in your prayers at this time as well. Um, 
That's all the announcements I have at this time. Is there anything else I may have missed? All right, let's go to God in prayer at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed to be able to be here this evening, Lord, to be able to apply your word to our everyday lives, Lord. Be with Rick as he delivers, delivers us your word, Lord, and that it may reach somebody and touch someone's heart that if they feel the need that they would come forward this evening, Lord. Lord, we ask you to continue to be with our elders and the decisions they make, Lord. Give them the wisdom and guidance they need, Lord, and let us be an encouragement to them always, Lord, and, and <clears throat> always keep them in our prayers. Lord, we ask you at this time to, to be with our sick, be with our ones that are dealing with cancer at this time, be with Amber and Jimmy and, and Jennifer, be with them and so many others, Lord, Jim, and that are dealing with cancer at this time, Lord, just be with them as they go through their treatments. Lord, we ask you this time to be with the ones who have recently lost loved ones, Lord. Lord, we know times like this are difficult for families and loved ones, Lord, and Lord, we know that, that you have your hand on them and that you are there to comfort them during this time of need. Lord, we ask you to continue to be with Rome Church here. Let us grow spiritually. Let us grow stronger in your word every day, Lord. Be with us this new year that, that we... That we reach others for your glory. Lord, we thank you most of all for you sending your son to die on the cross for us, to die a sinner's death, Lord, for, for me and for everybody else, Lord, that you've given us hope one day to spend eternity with you. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. It's in Jesus Christ that we do pray. Amen. Number 805, 805.
989. This will be our song before the lesson. 989. If you can, please let's stand as we sing this song. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, you give up, I'll be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. about a good Christmas diva? A few weeks ago, um, are we on here? We're good. Uh, a few weeks ago when Chris was uh, preaching on, on uh, Christmas morning, uh, he mentioned something about uh, the baby in the manger, and, and I, had a, I had a few thoughts, and I said, that might not be a bad you know, talk sometime. Well, I was supposed to be uh, do the diva a couple of weeks down the line, and I did get moved up to this week, so, so it is a little closer to Christmas. We're not going to talk about Christmas things, but we're going to talk about the manger um, as a metaphor. And I'd never thought of this until I started thinking about 
the significance of, of that manger in which Jesus uh, was placed. By definition, a manger is an open box in a stable designed to hold feed or some call it fodder, food for animals. Hay, straw, grains, whatever it might be, for livestock, sheep, cattle, whatever, whatever you have there. Another definition is a rack or fodder for fodder, a structure or feeder used to hold food for animals. It comes from um, the old French manger, I guess that's the way that's pronounced, to eat, or this is one we might be more familiar with, mandere, which is Latin, to chew. Does that M-A-N-D prefix mean anything to you? Remember the bones and the head and the, it's the mandible? I think that's where that comes from. To chew. Um, if it is uh, tightened up, if it is, is enclosed and not just laying out in the open, and usually it has size on it, but if it's sealed in some way, it can also be used to, uh, to water uh, the livestock as well. So a manger uh, traditionally was used on a farm in a stable to simply feed and water uh, the livestock there. When Mackenzie was born, um, I believe my dad made a little cradle that looked something like this. It was darker wood, had a little hood over it. We bought it somewhere and my dad uh, made it uh, for us. And that's kind of a, a glorified uh, manger. Here is what one a manger more than likely looked uh, more like. We don't have pictures of any of them back then, but, uh, but recreations of them, as you can see. Very rudimentary in, in construct. Uh, functional is the key word here. Um, and you can see that you could place uh, food or water inside this and take care of your, your livestock that way. It wasn't a crib. Remember, it was a food trough. Jesus as a newborn was placed in a source of food and water. And when I started thinking about that, I went, hmm, I wonder if there's any connection there. I wonder if God is, oh, I'll say messing with us again. Chris often talks about up here in his sermons about almost every word in every verse is important. There are things that you can look at and if you delve into them, they start unraveling for you. They start revealing things to you. And I don't know if this is one or not, but bear with me and we'll, we'll see what you think. Maybe it was just for convenience. Maybe having Jesus placed in a manger instead of somewhere else was simply for convenience. Mary and, and, and uh, Joseph had, had to travel uh, a, a long way and they uh, did not find a place at the end. We know that. There was no place at the end. So they had to uh, go to the stable and the manger was a place where they could lay the baby Jesus when not holding him or not nursing him um, or whatever they may have been doing that they weren't tending to him uh, at, at the moment. God likely selected it instead of a warm soft bed. I'm going to posit that. I'm going to propose that. That he did this on purpose. That he placed the Son of God, in a lowly stable, in a manger, a food trough for animals. Now, why would he do that? And I would say, don't underestimate God's practice of placing connections 
for us and before us um, with, with metaphors. Um, we studied types on Wednesday night in here for a long time, and we looked at a, a number of types. Um, I'll just go down a few of these. Adam and Christ, Abel and Christ, Isaac and Christ, Moses and Christ, uh, David and Christ, Jonah and Christ, Elijah and John the Baptist, uh, the Passover lamb and Jesus, the tabernacle and Jesus, um, the priesthoods, Melchizedek, Aaron and Christ, and Israel and the church and a number of others. Um, and uh, someone has collected that and put it in a very nice book. Um, I don't know if it's, it's worthy of reading or not. The idea is this, that God has exerted his control over things so that we, many centuries later, can look back and say, wow, wow. How was he able to, to tie so much of the Old Testament to so much of the New Testament, especially so much in Christ? And if you remember those studies and when we went through them, there, there was point after point after point of connections between those two, comparisons between those two. So in this situation about this manger, I'm not, I'm not looking past the fact that God does this on um, numerous occasions in Scripture, and this might be one of those. And we know that a metaphor is an implied uh, comparison. The word rock, for example, is used over 142 times uh, in Scripture. And it stands for God, for Jesus, a source of water, a foundation, a cornerstone, a refuge. So these metaphors that God uses are done throughout the scripture as well. Jesus used them in his teaching. He often said, the kingdom is like, well, in that case, it would have been a simile because he used the word like there. But he, and he would compare it to something that they were familiar with in a physical situation. And then he took that physical situation and applied it to a spiritual concept or a next level concept for them to try to make that connection. Here's a quote from a commentator that said, we may be sure that Joseph and Mary cleaned it up as best they could. They no doubt packed it in some way to make a comfy little bed, but there's no way to romanticize this bed into anything other than a feeding trough for slobbering animals. The first bed for the Son of God was not a royal cradle. It was a common corn crib. It's meant to hold scraps to be eaten. And never really, you know, we talk about that, you know, no room at the end, they had to sleep in a stable. Oh, what a shame, what a shame, a place in a manger. But then when you think that the, what the manger was commonly used for, you think, wow, that is really, really down there. However, that manger was part of the sign for the shepherds. When the shepherds are in their fields and the angel appears to them, what does he say? Luke 2, 12 says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. We'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. I always call it clothes. It's cloths. Swaddling cloths. Check it. It's not swaddling clothes, it's swaddling cloths. I went. How many babies in that area are wrapped in swaddling cloths? Probably all of them. 
it was common at that time to help uh, protect them, uh, keep them from scratching themselves and, and so forth, whatever the situation might be. A lot of babies wrapped in swaddling cloths. How many would have been in a manger? One. He says, this is a sign for you. A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. That's when you know you found the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. Savior, deliverer from all of our enemies and even more. We know that he delivered us from sin, from bondage, from uh, ourselves, our own condemnation. He's the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that was going to be the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament prophecies and promises. He's also Lord, Son of God, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Christ, Savior, Lord. It will be a sign for you. Sign of identification, yes. If you find a babe in swaddling cloths in a manger, then you will know that is he. But what other signs are you going to see in this? And these may be the things that I'm trying to pull out from this. No other king at any time, anywhere would be found in a feeding trough. I think we can safely say that. Maybe by some sheer coincidence or mix up at the hospital or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But nowhere at any other time, any other place would you find a king, a newborn king or a person, baby that was going to be a king, in a feeding trough. Angel said, find him and you find the king of kings. But understand something about his kingship. Right after that angel said the word manger, a host of angels sang, shouted, I can't remember specifically, but it says, the multitude of heavenly hosts said or yelled or sang, glory to God in the highest. Now, I don't know if there's anything special about the timing of that, but you will find him in a manger. Boom. Glory to God in the highest. So they were re-emphasizing the fact of what this angel had just said. That will be your sign. He will be there and he is the Messiah. So what are the characteristics of this king's kingdom? From the beginning of his life to the end of his life, it's characterized by humility sacrifice, submissiveness to his father, purity in heart and soul and spirit, simplicity, and I guess you could say restraint. To me, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, was tremendously understated. He didn't come with all the power and might and glory that a king might commonly come into this world with one of royal, such royalty. The only time we even get a glimpse of that was when he permitted them to walk him into Jerusalem, ride him in on a, on a, on a donkey at the end of his mission and proclaim son of David, son of David, Hosanna. But that was it. That's the only time. And 
other kings and other royalty throughout their lives have people doing that for them all the time. So Jesus' kingship, his life here on this earth was one of what I would classify as severe restraint. From a feeding trough to being hung on the cross between two thieves. Beginning and end. No respect. Little of the pomp and circumstance that you get with other kings. Luke 9, 57 and 58, when someone just declared to Jesus as he was walking by, I believe, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Anybody here tell me Jesus' address? Not where he came from. His street address. No. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He lived and worked off, at, off others, the charity of others. They, they would stay in houses. Uh, hospitality back then was a, a Jewish command. You had to take in strangers. And so those who traveled around were welcomed in. And Jesus and the apostles did that, along with a few of the ladies that, that traveled with them. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Not something a king should be able to say. Final comparison on the metaphor. John 6, 35, uh, and then later in 47 to 50 says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then later he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. And I can see him pointing to himself saying, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So why do I bring that up? Let me finish with this other piece here first. Water, woman at the well, Samaritan woman, John 4. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Remember what she said? She said, oh, please give me that life so I don't have to come here and pull water out of this well. She didn't understand that what he was talking about was a spiritual water of life. I think she understood a little bit later after he talked with her for a while. So the manger of Jesus, the manger is a standard source of sustenance, both food and water for livestock. Jesus is our source for spiritual food. He's our bread of life and spiritual water, living eternal water for all mankind it's the last place you would look for the king of kings but if you understood who jesus was and what his kingship and kingdom was all about you would understand what manner of man he was from the beginning all the way to the end 
and the fact that many times he said, my kingdom is not of this world. So is it possible that this is one of God's great ironies that the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world would come into this world in such a lowly place, connected with such mean, menial things like just mere food and water for animals, yet would in his own self become the bread of life, the water of life. Messiah, Christ, Lord, Savior of all mankind, arrives on earth as God from heaven in the simplest, lowest, most humble of all places, a feeding trough, beginning life, meek and lowly in heart, beginning and his life as a whole, his legacy and impact. He was Jesus of Nazareth. He was Son of God, Savior of the world, Prince of Peace, author and finisher of our faith. Decide for yourself. I don't know if that was an intended uh, connection or not. But it is interesting that the very first thing we find out about him deals with food and water. And some of the strongest messages he ever had to those around him dealt with the fact that he was food and water. He was spiritual sustenance for them. If you're not a Christian tonight, um, we would encourage you to become one. Um, there is salvation in no other than Christ. And you cannot get into Christ unless you respond to the gospel by believing that he's the son of God, confessing that he's the son of God, repenting of your sins, and then being baptized for the remission of your sins. If you would like to do that, or if you would like to come forward and ask a, a special prayer uh, on, on your behalf, uh, we'd be happy to do so or help you out in any way that you can. Please come forward as we stand and sing. Have you been to Jesus for a cleansing house? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace now? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the
Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for letting us all be able to come together this evening and worship you, this Lord. Dear Lord, thank you for the lesson that Rick has presented to us, Lord. Allow us to have taken it and apply it to our lives, Lord, and learn more about your word. Dear Lord, please be with those on the sick list and those who only you know the name of. Let us depart from here safely, and uh, it's in your son's name, I ask this prayer. Amen.